What's up, everybody? This is Max Scrim and Ruby from Talking Buds Podcast. I'm glad you all could join me this week. We have a new episode with a home grower named Smot Poker. You can find him on Instagram. He also has a YouTube channel that you can check out with uh, a bunch of grow videos and lighting videos and testing lights. So I hope you all enjoy the episode. I apologize for the delay in content. Life has uh, gotten pretty hectic. So I appreciate you guys all um, being patient and actually reaching out to me and you know motivating me to make another episode. So I want to say thank you for that and I hope you all enjoy the episode. What's up everybody? This is Max Scrimmin' Ruby. From Talking Buds podcast today, we have my friend Smart Poker on. How's it going, Smart? Oh, it's going great. I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. Um, so this is going to be another home grower episode, and you know when we do these episodes, I just like to talk to the growers and uh, kind of talk about your progression. What did you start with? Um, you know, how did you start growing? Did you use cocoa soil? Right. Yeah, that's a about 2016, I think it was, the, the beginning of it, uh, 2015 at the end, somewhere around in there in that winter, we got us, we had some seeds, bag seeds, and I uh, still didn't know much, so we decided to go indoors here and at our house, in our apartment, in, in a closet, and we ended up doing not so well. We had, uh, we got some Fox Farm soil uh, and put some photo periods in there and we ended up with uh some males and then we ended up with uh hermes they hermaphrodite because we didn't realize the light leaks were killing us and we was just having all these problems so finally we went searching online a little bit and uh got to talking to a few people somebody recommended uh auto flowers to us and they was like if you're having problems with light leaks in your situation this might be something you want to look into. So we went ahead and jumped on those and we enjoyed it so much. We had fun, started learning. Uh, you could come in and visit your plants almost anytime you wanted. And that's good for new grower, you know? So uh, we stuck with those and believe it or not, we've been growing auto flowers ever since we've just now started our, we, we recently moved um, We about nine months ago. So we just started our first photo period indoor grow uh actually knowing some stuff now you know we've been uh right. really studying hard for the last few years and so we're excited we're getting seeds and uh from other people um so yeah that's about where we're at that brings us up to today right so <clears throat> when i first had seen your instagram i saw that you guys were just uh it looked like you had a cmh light in the middle of a room um and now i believe you have tents set up and you have um leds what what caused you to uh, want to try the LEDs and you know get in a tent? Was it just uh, you know having no light leaks and not having to worry about that, or um, moving to a different environment? Did that cause it, or you know why did you want to try LEDs? Um, well, I think it was a combination of things. the The place we the the open grow room that you're referencing was a place we used to live. It was a rental property. Um, <clears throat> I didn't want to do. Uh, too much and like I told you we started before we had really found any community online or anything so um, we ended up with we were using HID we had a thousand watt uh, high pressure sodium we'd use metal halide for veg and uh, we grew in that open room uh, it was pretty secluded there we could get away without any real carbon filter or anything it could it could smell you know and not be so bad 
Um, so we just kind of conditioned that room in that era. And if you, anybody wants to go back and look at some of our older stuff, you know, they'll see, we did pretty good under that, under that situation. And, but yeah, we had to progress. What we would get is a lot of bleached out buds from only right. having a certain amount of height. We only had so much height. We had such a strong light, you know, we would really get bleached out on the tops and we'd be cooking our terps and, uh, really fighting to keep the heat down. So as I started to learn more about lights and uh, I wanted to change that. So in that same environment, we went ahead and bought the LED light. And then we decided to buy our own place and get out of there. So when we moved, uh, we have to be a lot more stealth now. So we decided we better get into tents so we can put some carbon filtration up. And uh, that's kind of how we've got to this point. Uh, but the LEDs is, uh, it's unimaginable. I'm sure everybody at this point knows how, you know, the great leaps and bounds they've made in the last five years and uh, uh, how much it's just all around better light. It's more efficient, uh, better distribution. You get all that stuff. So uh, that's the big appeal for us and less heat, less AC load, you know, yeah. and all that. Um, but yeah, that's about how we've progressed to this point. It's, it's been a challenge a little bit. We've, we're on our third tent full in this new house, and uh, we went from radiant heat to forced air and some other different things have made it a bit of a challenge to try and keep the, um, the environment to, uh, you know, optimal standards, uh, trying to learn how to use the controller. I'm not very tech savvy or computer savvy, and uh, even with small stuff like that, I had to have someone make a video and send it to me so I could set up my AC Infinity controller um, so that's uh, that's been a little bit of a challenge, and we've had some setbacks because of it. So it's definitely been different trying to switch environments and trying to switch lights. And right. uh, but we're doing it, coming along, we're having fun with it, and yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I I saw that too that you uh, you had the Apple G um, light tester too to see how how high your power is and whatnot. So I'm sure that kind of helped you, um, you know, dial in your light for that tent switching environments like that's just not easy too. you know you did two of the hardest things at once i think you know changing your light and changing your environment so i'm glad it all worked out yeah yeah we lost a couple plants man they died on us uh they got dry i, I overcorrected they got cold i overcorrected they got right. dried out um you know it fried their roots they were dwarfed they were auto so there was no coming back from that okay. so you know that kind of is a blow to your confidence or whatever you want to say but uh, yeah, we did. We we bought a uh, the Apogee MQ500. Uh, as you know, my mentor, good friend, Doctor MJ Coco Coco for cannabis. That's the one he uses. Um, he uh, has taught him and Doctor Photon both have you know talked to me a lot about light lighting and taught me a lot. And so I thought you know if people are going to be kind enough to let me test their lights out, and people are going to be kind enough to go ahead and tune in and watch me, a regular guy testing out these lights it'd be nice to at least afford them the opportunity to see a proper meter underneath of it, especially if they were planning on buying one or if they have one, it's similar statistics, you know, as far as wattage, uh, photon efficiency and things of that nature. Um, you know, and I'm also got this plan in the works where I might download some of these phone apps and kind of toss them in my tent in a real world situation with the door open and then put my, my Apogee meter in beside it and uh, see what the difference is. That way, if other people are out there trying to maybe uh, use their phone, 
uh, they could get a nice ballpark figure, uh, you know, just for happenstance. If uh, if it's reading 1,300 on a phone and 1,000 on the par meter, then you can make those adjustments to realize it's probably going to read somewhat high all the time for you. So that was something I thought about, and I think it's a good thing that you brought up the meter. Uh, we, we do like having that thing, and, and I've noticed different things with that as far as when they're little and uh, different things like after we topped and tran up uh, up potted and things, I like to dial the light back, even just 100 right. microvolts. And, you know, I haven't had the meter long enough to be any definitive uh, observations, but it seems so far that it's going to help. And uh, it was worth like 600 some bucks, man. That's a lot of money for a guy like me. I'm just a construction worker, so I had to save up for it, and uh, I'm glad to have it, and I'm glad that people are getting some use out of watching the videos with it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I watch your videos because uh, I happen to run the same light as you. I like the photon text as well, um, and, you know, just watching your videos, I can see how far away your light is from your plants and how high you have it dimmed or whatever you know and i can adjust my grow so i've i've used your videos to help you know even in my grow and uh and then you know cocoforcannabis.com i i'm always on there i might not do the grow challenges um all the time it doesn't happen to line up with my seasons and the best time for me to grow but uh yeah i've learned a, a ton from dr coco and i totally recommend that website to all the new growers or anyone that's listening that wants to get into growing um, it's a great place to start. There's just tons of information <clears throat> and I know you've uh, yeah. done work with him as well. So, you know, it's just, it's cool to be able to trust more sources than just one. So. Agreed. Totally agree. I always like to shout out Dr. Coco and, and the chat room at Coco for cannabis. They've been a big help for me. Anytime, uh, anyone has a problem, including myself, I go there or just a question about maybe nutrients or anything. I go there and there's a lot of, uh, experienced guys they're very uh you know and they're very patient they'll work with you even people that um don't really speak english as a first language they work through it and it's just a great community very collaborative and uh yeah i I'd always like to shout them out and uh give give the give the love over where it's where it, is, where it belongs you know right <clears throat> so i i know dr coco um on his website, he recommends uh, the Flora series. Uh, is that the nutrient you run? I, I do run uh, General Hydroponics Flora Series Trio. And uh, he also has a feed chart. Do you kind of follow that feed chart? I've, you know, that's kind of how I started growing. Um, I totally use that feed chart, you know, to the T and it works for me. I, I just didn't know if anyone else had success with that. Um, yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say I run it to a T. I, I will say there's things that I do. And some of these things I've done with Dr. Coco's blessing or I guess under his advice, you know, his advice. Uh, one of those is, and he's told me this himself and he's posted this in his chat. And I think he may have even mentioned it on podcast. So I, I won't feel like I'm putting words in his mouth, but his schedule runs a little bit heavy on the cool bloom. The PK boosters, yeah. uh, depending on strains or whatever, uh, if you're adding all that cool bloom, it can really become antagonistic with um, with the cow mag and start blocking other things out. Uh, nutrients not really my strong point. I know enough to get by. Um, so, but yeah, that's what we use, and I use everything in there. The H2O2, I use the Rapid Start. Um, okay. I mix I mix it just the way that he does on his schedule 
or on his uh, videos. The one thing I do, um, especially with the autos, like I said, we're just now getting into the photos and they don't seem to be much different thus far. And we're about to flip in a couple of days here. So uh, we run a lot lighter than what the schedule says as far as uh, EC. Um, I'll mix up a strong batch of my general hydroponics and then I'll cut it down to my target EC. Okay. So I'll mix, you know, like a 2.9 or a three batch or somewhere up there, 2.5. And then I'll just take from that and cut it down and use it because I hand water. Um, so I, I do use less, like right now I'm in, I'm about to flip and I'm on 1100 EC. I believe if you were on the schedule, it would call for 1250 plus the allowance you would have for your tap water if you're using tap. So my tap runs about 200. So according to that schedule, I should really be at about 1450 and I'm at 11. But I'll also see signs of me pushing the limits as far as I'm concerned. I feel like if I go any heavier or I'm going to start seeing clawing, I'm going to see that thick hardened leaf getting shiny and uh, it's just not where I like to be. So I always advise the newer growers, if that's who's listening, is that it's always easier to come back from a low EC than it is a high EC. So it's good to tread with caution there and watch the plant and it'll start to lose turgid pressure and do droop if the EC is too low and you can always raise it up. Yeah, I, I love that advice, actually. Um, I, I didn't know that when I first started growing. I've definitely burnt my fair share of plants. Um, and I know that you can also look up uh, what's in your water in your you know where you live so yeah i don't know uh, the exact point. website but i remember hearing that as well it's usually your local municipal authority i believe you can look it up uh that's how i found mine um yeah and you'd be surprised the stuff that's actually in there like uh there's a certain parts per million of like radium and different things not to scare anybody but it, it's nice to know what's in there you know and maybe uh even go over it with somebody who understands that a little more. That's what I did over at the Cocoa for Cannabis chat. Uh, a few of them guys are pretty good at like chemistry and they were able to tell me, uh, you know, what's in there and what's good, what's bad. And seems we have pretty good water here. We're lucky. So it's definitely something to look like if you have well water, it's in the five, 600 EC could be full of sulfur. It's something you have to be wary of, but it always breaks my heart when I see these new growers going and buying all this bottled water and stuff, yeah. you know, and, so if you can get away with not buying it, I would definitely try that or at least cut it 50, 50 or something. Right. Yeah. I went, I went with, uh, <clears throat> I bought an RO system off of Amazon. Actually, I, I believe it was like 130 bucks. Um, and I just hooked that up in my, you know, my bathroom and ha I have, it holds five gallons of RO water. And I mean, it does, if, if you got to pay for water, you might not want it because it does waste quite a bit, um, cleaning it. So Right. But I just like to know exactly where I am. And then I have full control because I also use the Flora series as well. And, uh, and cocoa. Cool. Yeah. I was going to say, I was thinking something I might've got ahead of myself and not mentioned that we do grow in cocoa and it's uh high frequency fertigation drained to waste. So, uh, we don't, you know, have any recirculation or anything like that. Um, so it's pretty important that you dial in your watering so as not to waste you know, right. um, uh, we always, we always flush our wastewater. Um, we find it's best rather than add phosphates to your local water system from runoff. Uh, you know, they're capable of handling that at the, uh, treatment plant 
where you where your water goes. Now, if you have a septic tank, I don't believe it's a good practice to dump all that down there. Uh, that's not my expertise, and I don't want anyone saying, "Hey, that smart poker really did me dirty by giving me some bad advice." You know, so right. uh, that's my little thing there. Uh, that's how I get rid of mine, and I've had people tell me that that's wrong. I shouldn't flush it, that it's a burden on the you know society has to pay for that stuff to come out of there. I've, I've had people taxes, tell me, but yeah. <laughs> you know, that's why I get taxes. Yeah, I mean, you know, real quick, I don't think people realize that you get all this phosphorus runoff, it goes into the Mississippi River. And when you get to the Gulf of Mexico, there's a big, huge area of the Gulf that's actually, uh, it's an, I want it a hypoxic from all the algae bloom and the phosphates, nothing grows there, no, no fish and shit live there. It's like dead water because of all the runoff from the plain states, all the uh, farmlands, the phosphates are horrible. Right. And, you know, you so being a little home grower, I don't think you're really um, just dumping yeah. tons of nutrients. You know, there's, uh, like you're saying, you know, tons of runoff from tons of big grows and whatever is going right. on. So great, great point, man. I think it should be noted that there's probably more nitrogen in your urine than there is in our runoff just because the plant does eat a lot of it. You know, you're, you're replacing it, but not a lot. Uh, people get the impression high frequency fertigation is a lot of waste. Uh, it's really not. You're going to, you know, pick a certain amount of water it would take for a day. I think my plants might get up to like a gallon a day in late flower per plant. But a lot of that isn't runoff, you know, only um, 20% maybe will come running off 25%. And right. that's what will go into the waste. So uh, like you're saying, I might have eight plants at one time at the most and, uh, it's not a lot like people think when you hear drain to waste, it just gives it a bad thing. But uh, whether you water twice a day or 10 times a day, you'll probably use about the same amount of water. You'll just have to have a bigger pot. And if you're watering twice a day, and if you're doing automatic first and just, uh, you know, 10 a day, you're going to use the same amount because there'll be a lot less over 10, if that makes sense. Right. It's less, less amounts of water, every watering. Right. The more you water. First is two big ones. So you're going to use the same amount. I think that gets a lot of people, you know, uh, they, they misinformed about that when it comes to high frequency fertigation, drain to waste. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, on uh, Cocoa for Cannabis, I, I've read, you know, the whole, he's got um, like a whole guide to watering and he kind of goes over it there and kind of explains it a lot better than what I just did, but I, I know what you same mean. Same here. So. Yeah. Same <laughs> here. He, he, that's where most of this information comes from. And I'm kind of, I guess, putting it in my own words, but yeah, if you check it out there, you'll get a much better reference and uh, from a more reliable source than myself. Uh, I probably mix up words a little bit. So uh, some people can bear with me. I think you'll get the gist. All right. No, you're good, man. So, um, you know, growing, growing with LEDs, you know, is, uh, can you give us a comparison or what's, uh, the difference from when you're using the high pressure sodium or the HPS light? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think if anybody else has used these two lights, they'll, they'll agree with this. Uh, there's a few different things. And I think I mentioned some of them. Uh, one was the bleached buds. We would get a lot of bleached buds on top and it seemed like it would maybe burn some of the terps off which we kind of didn't realize that until we got the LEDs and had something to compare it to. But uh, we did notice that. We noticed that uh, we obviously had a thousand watt was, uh, that's a lot of heat. Those ballasts really create a lot of heat, man. And so that's a heavier AC load. And it's just all around was less efficient. And 
it was more harmful to the plan. Now that sounds bad. Everybody knows that you know HPS was the gold standard for all them years, and you can grow some magnificent shit with it. But those were the downfalls in my eyes. Was the you know the heat, the burning the turps, the bleach, and then fast forward you move to LED, and now you have uh, much less heat to deal with, uh, especially in a tent. You know I couldn't imagine, uh, and you you know you can still remove your um, your driver and you're still going to get heat from your, from your diodes, all those points of emission create heat, you know, obviously. Right. So, um, but you do, you have a lot less heat and then the distribution, um, you can, uh, you know, with, with my old led or with my old HPS, I'm sorry, I needed some good space so as not to bleach my plants out with the, the lights that I like to use, um, are low wattage, high efficiency LEDs that have a good, frame to them they're big lights and they're spread out and that gives you lots of points of emission it gives you great distribution there's no real hot spots you can you know on a good light uh you can get a you put your your uh your apogee meter under there and we'll get pretty decent readings all around the square if you will inside the tent from corner to corner um, compared to what we would get with HPS, you would get that real hot spot in the middle, you would get the low eds and you would get burnt spots. And that's why movers were big with the HID lights. Right. People would put them on movers and then you wouldn't get that one burnt spot in your in your canopy, you know? And you could get away with less height, but those are what we see. And you know, the longevity of a, of a diode is a great thing. You don't have to replace the bulbs all the time. Those bulbs are a hundred dollars a piece, you know? So for every three grows, you would have to buy a metal highlight and an HPS. Um, and that just gets expensive. You know, it's it, you, this with the led, it's a one-time buy the diode degradation, I believe is any, I want to say it's one to 3% from what I'm told. I'm yeah, not a lighting minor. engineer. Yeah, I'm not a lighting engineer. I've heard up to 7% uh, a year, but I, I was told that's aggressive and maybe with the older ones, but even at three or four, that's pretty good. You know, you're going to get your money's worth out of out of a light if, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's- No, yeah, totally. I mean- That I'm seeing. With the, uh, the HPS, like how high would you have to keep it above your plants? You know, would it be like four feet, three feet? You know, yeah, I was gonna. Burn. I was gonna say we we tried, and that would always be the struggle, man. We would get these plants going really well on cocoa. These auto flowers are getting twenty hours of daylight, and they just want to climb to the moon. So <laughs> we would have to super crop, and you know, I remember times just getting frustrated and going in and just grabbing them and just breaking them over, you know. And it's not good to garden frustrated. So you know, don't be like me. <laughs> but that definitely. Uh, you definitely had to have, like you're saying, two and a half, three feet, you know, and the higher I could get, the better distribution I would get. So then you would have the satellite coals around the outside getting, you know, instead of having uh, 1,300 micromoles in the middle and 600 on the edges, the higher I could get it up, that 1,000 watt, you could really spread that out and get a, right. a more even number. And uh, it, the, not having that have the height issue is the one thing I like about the lights we've been using. You can ride, um, you know, it, you know, some of them as close as six to, you know, you might be 14, 15, 18 inches away, which in a tent is really nice with you have an exhaust inside. And, you know, if you need a filter in there and everything, uh, you could still get a really nice size plant. You can have uh, no burnt crispy tops 
and I still have room for your fielder and stuff. And it seems to work out good for us. That's with some training. I think our training's gotten better. So I think they, all that things kind of go hand in hand there with, uh, with tent growing, you know, with anything res height restricted. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why I love running the photon tech because, you know, you can dim it. And then, like you said, you can have, I have that light sometimes, you know, four or five inches away from the plants, you know, just dimmed and it's not too much. It's not burning them. It's not getting a ton of heat in there. You're saving electricity. And yeah, I, I totally agree. LEDs are the way to go. Um, and then, you know, yeah, just think the spread is great too. Those lights are so wide and you're getting four feet of light, you know? Yeah, exactly. The footprint of the actual light is really nice. And uh, yeah, all the things you mentioned make that a great, great light. And uh, there's, there's other ones on the market, uh, different lights that, that are really good at uh, putting distribution. They have so much technology coming out all the time. I'm always curious to see what's coming up next, you know? And right. uh, they have uh, the removable bars are so nice. Like you said, if one, something would happen and you need to replace one, you could still run your light without having to switch a light, say in the middle of flower. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't even think about when I was looking at this light to, to test it. Uh, when I heard removable bars, uh, I did, I never thought, well, like you mentioned, you add in the um, removable bars with the dimmer, you can really get uh, a plethora of, of, of micro moles across your, across your canopy, depending on where you're at, you could have a sick plant, you could have a clone that you only want maybe 100, 150 micromoles all the way up to, uh, you know, you're pushing a thousand micromoles and flying four or five inches above your canopy. And, uh, you know, that's, it's fun stuff, man. It's, it's great to be able to do that and manipulate certain things in such a fashion and see the results. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy talking about it. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, so, being able to remove the driver and change, you know, the temperature in the room. I, I really like that as well. I've never ran the HPS, but <clears throat> I, I did have a CMH for a short period of time and it just did get really hot. I mean, it was hard to keep anything in that room. Cool. So, so is there, uh, yeah. is there any um, other parts of growing that you want to talk about that you like, you know, I, I, I know people say that it's therapeutic. Um, you know, just to kind of take care of something and, you know, water six times a day, up to six times a day. If you're in cocoa, uh, do you, yeah. you know, you, do you actually, you said you hand water, you're in there yeah. six times a day or how many times are you in there? No, lucky for me, I have a wonderful wife, crispy wannabe. A lot of people know of her. We kind of roll as a team, you know, so we do split the load up. She's a avid grower such as myself. And, uh, so we go ahead and mix mix our nudes for the day. We try to hit them three times a day if we can. Sometimes we do two. I always test my runoff if I can't see to the to the plants properly. You know, I'll test my runoff, make sure that uh, you know, they're eating well and that uh that the uh they're not running a high EC due to my lack of uh attention. So I try to keep I do the best I can. Well, you know, someone told me a long time ago that it's smart to try and fit growing into your life and not make it, you know, so stressful and overwhelming that it consumes you. And I think there's a happy medium there. You can be passionate about it and still get in there a couple of times a day. 
Um, but yeah, it can be very therapeutic to get in there, to leave everything behind, forget about work and right. whatever else is going on. I grab my cat, I go in there, man, and do some hand watering. I do some testing. You get in there, that's a good way to look at your IPM. You can watch the plant develop well and see what changes you're making, how they're reacting. I see people that are on automation. I have nothing against automation. I actually wish I was smart enough to be more automated without a bunch <laughs> of headache. I can't invite people over to help me here or anything like that. So right now, this is where I stand. But uh, I see people with highly automated systems that actually, I've seen a guy not long ago, I won't name him. Uh, he actually lost his grow to a fungus gnat infestation that he could not get under control and this is a very respected grower wow. some people out there might recognize this post that i'm referencing and it was because of his automation he just never went in there he would pull the flap open look in shut the flap good to go refill the resin leaf you know right. and uh, his plants were uh pretty pretty good pretty well pronounced plants too and i was thinking i've never seen anyone lose a plant that big the fungus gnats. So automation is great, but I think there's a certain amount of hands on it. That's good too, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I wish I had automated watering that would save me, you know, <clears throat> it takes me probably an hour in there a day, you know, and yeah, but the, you know, you think about what you get out of it and you know, the end product, you're getting some of the best flower depending on where you get your genetics. So yeah, I totally think it's worth it. And that's why I grow my own. So Sure. I think, um, yeah, there's other things that, that are, I think can be worth mentioning that I feel are important or that I feel, I don't know if I should say I'm quote unquote passionate about them, but I think there are some misnomers out there that I feel, um, I won't get into some of them, but like, uh, here's one potting up autos. As I said before, I do a lot of work with autos and, right. um, like I said, that's a total falsehood, man. You should always pot up your autos. And I would say with autos, almost more so. And the reason is, is you only have a certain amount of time to really build a nice root ball before they go into flower. So you really want them to not have to work too hard. You put them in the correct size pot and it's just second nature. They fill it right out real quick. Boom, boom, boom. Your pot ups go quick. You can time them with your toppings, yeah. which is another thing people say with autos, don't top them. I encourage you to check out our stuff. I don't claim to be any kind of a great master grower, but I can tell you, you can definitely pot up your autos. You can definitely top your autos. We manifold ours and, and they grow great. They love it. You can get eight, 10 pounds or more, or I'm sorry, eight, 10 ounces or more per plant doing it that way versus just putting them in a big five or seven gallon pot from the very door. Um, then they, they never really have a chance to colonize uh, the whole volume of the media with roots and that you're doing yourself a disservice. Now you can grow that way, but I think it's important to mention that your plants aren't going to reach full potential growing in that fashion. And you shouldn't be afraid of the pot ups. It should be a fun time. You get to see the roots that you cultivated. And I just don't know where, like I actually see seed companies out there recommending starting right in the final pot. And I think uh, that's such a travesty. Because I've done that before right. and noticed huge differences, man. I had a I had hand surgery a couple of years ago, and I did that and noticed a big difference immediately. And uh, I was like, oh my god, you know. And then just so it's not just something someone told me. This is something that I've seen 
myself and I just know how ours works. And I think that's worth mentioning. I don't want to take up too much time, but uh, no, you're, you're fine, man. I mean, I totally agree. I, I just started growing autos for the first time. So I'm, I'm still kind of adjusting um, this one. I kind of just try to keep it small. I didn't even change it out of the solo cup. I just wanted to see how it all worked gotcha. out and you know how it, how the yeah. plant grows, you know, cause exactly. you don't have to have them in huge pots to see the lifespan. And no. I think that's a good way to kind of start. So that's kind of what I did. Um, but yeah, hey, I, I mean, will, I, I would like to mention one thing here, if I can, there is one thing that I, I believe in my opinion, that will force an auto to flower. And that's, that's root bound. If something, if it seems like if it's root bound, it, it'll flower quicker. I've actually had that happen to me. I don't know if that's scientifically true. It's just something that I think. So uh, if someone's maybe trying to do a timeline by that schedule, I would say maybe tr might not be the best timeline. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, Cause there's not many things that you can do in my opinion, to force a plant to flower, like an auto flower to, to, to start taking off. It's going to do what it wants to do. But I think that is one thing, uh, you know, you can't change its newts or anything like that, which you might hear to kind of force it. You kind of have to change your newts as it transitions. So, um, right. Yeah, that's just the one thing I'd, I'd warn against. If you're trying to use a small pot like that, but you're right, like to see how it develops in certain things and how it reacts to cutting or whatever, you know, it's good to get a, get a feel for them. But uh, definitely the timelines might be off a little bit. Yeah, it seems uh, like it did jump to flower as soon as the roots hit the bottom. I, uh, you know, that kind of that's kind of what I've heard as well. And that's kind of what I was hoping would happen. I just... More more than anything, I just kind of wanted to try the smoke. I've heard that they're not as potent. I've heard that, you know, yeah, back yeah, in the I've day they weren't as good. And now I hear they're great. So I want to just try it. And <laughs> if I can run autos, I'm going to run autos. Um, and like you said, not have to worry about light leaks <laughs> or any of that. You know, you can just go in there and turn the lights on and it's whatever. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't smoke so much bud during these podcasts, Max. <laughs> You guys, excuse me. I apologize. Uh, but yeah, um, as far as that's like the only thing I know that can, that can make them flower early. And as far as like the THC and stuff, I've heard all that too. And I believe it's true. I, you know, it's almost, um, it's almost a no brainer. You're cut, you're adding in a ruderalis gene that's not known for a high THC to get the photoperiodism the way you want it. Then you obviously lose some, some to that. I don't know what all you lose. Uh, they, they seem to be super vigorous plants. They get so much light. So right. you can definitely, I, I would argue that auto flowers will get much bigger than photo periods as far as yield, just based solely on the amount of light they get over the lifespan of the plant. Uh, you're talking eight hours more per day. And we all know photosynthesis is the only thing that fuels biomass growth. So the more light, bigger it gets, you know? Um, so, uh, I always tell people if you, if you want to do the autos, definitely pot up. Doesn't have to, if you're doing HFF, it doesn't have to be, uh, a huge pot. You know, you can do some sort of pot up, even if you just do say solo cup to three gallon, that's a pot up system. It might not be the best one in the world, but, uh, then you have guys that are like, and girls that are, uh, maybe disabled and they don't have a choice And that. I understand, you know, you're doing right. the best you can to get what you got. But, uh, I think, you know, there's exceptions to every rule, and that's just something I kind of wanted to throw out there. there. There's some other stuff, like when it comes to leaf stripping, man, that's a real hot topic, you know. I, How I do you really feel like about leaf stripping? Do you do you strip leaves? I, I don't, man. I really don't. Um, people give me shit. I've actually had people come to my 
to my page and look at like a 13 ounce auto flower and say, man, you'd have did a lot better if you had defold. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how can you say it? Now I will say this when we, when we first, some of those earlier grows that I mentioned earlier, um, early on, we were told by other people that we knew like that had grown, you know, gorilla style, like we did younger and they were telling us cut the leaves off. It helps them out. So we did do that for a while. And, you know, I got to say this, people might not believe this, but it never really felt right to me, man. Even back then I was just doing it because I was told to. So right. we did that, but we, we ended up with those Hermes and I feel like that that could have been part of it. That was an extra stressor that didn't need to be. So fast forward, we're still doing that with autos and we're not noticing uh, really anything. And then we found people that were telling us don't do that. And then they explained to us some of the plant physiology behind it. And I don't pretend to understand all of it, but the um, we stopped doing it. And I noticed a big difference, man. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go into this, uh, Max, that I think people attack this, this, this topic from different angles. If you have a thousand plants, it's going to be different right. for you than if, than if you're a four plant grower or an eight plant grower in two tents like me. Um, I think if you're growing in a tent, you should have semi-decent environmental controls. So I always see people there in real early or they're in like mid veg and they're saying, I have to cut these off because of my RH. And I tell them, well, if you're having that much trouble now, when you get into flower, you're going to really have a hard time keeping the botrytis away. So um, as far as the leaf stripping, uh, I, I lollipop. I get the leaves out of there. They're all twisted from like, if you're building a manifold, you'll know, you probably know this, Max, some of them leaves end up growing out weird just because the way you're building a plant, they grow right into the other branch or something and they'll twist. I get rid of that shit. But what I don't do is strip my plant down strictly for the sole purpose of getting a better yield. And from what I'm told, a few different aspects of this is, um, like the leaves that are upper, the, the top leaves are, are more, they're like five times more efficient at processing light, but there's light that escapes through to the bottom, which right. is called the transmittance effect. So those lights at the, those leaves at the bottom are still getting light. They're still creating photosynthate and, um, you know, they're not taking energy from your plant. People think that the leaves are drawing energy from their plant by being on there. They're not. A plant will always create more energy than it takes. Right. And when that changes, the plant will get rid of it itself through abscission. So I don't see, and then I hear this a lot. Well, I got to get, I got to get light to the lowers. Well, the way your plant grows is those are considered shade leaves down there. They're not really built anatomically to handle from this is from what I'm being told. They're not built anatomically. They handle a whole lot of light coming through anyhow. So if you're clearing the top out and leaving the lowers, you could be doing a disservice and losing some of the uh, energy that you're producing with your light. So I think the best bet is to do responsible pruning. Uh, leave right. as many as you can for as long as you can. Now, if you're in late flower, and, and I always tell people this, in my tent, uh, my mistakes pretty much do the lollipopping for me because every so often a leaf will turn on me here and there and, you know, it climbs up. And by the time I get to mid flower, I'm totally cleared out underneath. And then I do some trimming. I get rid of this shit that's not going to make it. I mostly do growth tips. But as far as stripping my plant down, man, just for the sole purpose of getting a better yield, uh, there's really nothing, nothing to that. There. I, I don't, I haven't seen it personally. And from all the studying I've been doing with Dr. Coco, Dr. Photon right. and some other guys. Now that's not to say 
uh, a guy might go out and strip his plant and try the swaz technique or whatever. Uh, your your plant will be able to definitely um, to to be able to handle that and still produce, and that's good, you know. But I always see this like someone will strip their plant all the way down, and then they'll come back on Instagram three days later and say wow, I stripped my plant. Look how good I did. Uh, she's raging back. And I'm like, well, where's your gain at? Your plant's recovering and growing back everything that you cut off. It's right. just wasted all the energy. I mean, it just doesn't compute with me. And then we have all these searches for a fast flowering strains and everybody wants to get the flower real quick, you know, which I understand that's all of our goal is to get a good product and get it as fast as we can. Um, so why go through and extend your veg time by stripping your plant down and then waiting for it to recover before you can flip? Uh, as I mentioned before, photosynthesis is what's going to fuel the growth. That's for buds and everything. So the more of that quantum yield that you can grab that you're creating and paying for from your light, you just bought a beautiful photon tech light using smart poker CFC discount. <laughs> uh, <There you> <laughs> and, <laughs> and so you're going to waste that light by letting it hit the floor or, or, you know, or trying to get it to lower leaves. It just doesn't really compute. I think, uh, I think the, the, the intentions are well-placed, Max. I think people are just, they love it. They're passionate. They want to do everything they can to help their plants. And they have like 10 different people in their ear telling them, this is how you do it, man. Cut your leaves, right. strip it down. And, and it, it is, it's bro science from what I can tell. There may be something to cleaning some up, but there's so much into that. Like, as you know, the stomata on your leaves, they open up. And that creates capillary action, which draws in moisture from their roots and comes up through your plant. You go through and strip all those leaves off. That's why when you do a schwaz, they have you lower your EC down to like 30 or 40% of your original EC because your plant just can't process any water now. Yeah, so exactly. all that water sits in your pot and now your EC starts to rise and then your NER goes off. Then it becomes hypoxic because there's too much water in there. And, and then you have right. to keep replacing. It's just, it's a bad situation. Yeah, I it's a, it's a good way need. to start problems. That's, that's for sure. And I, I totally agree. Um, and I'm sorry I, I get long-winded. Oh, no, you're, you're fine, man. And the, the way I see it is I strip my leaves based on my, um, my environment. And if, yeah. if it's too humid in there, I'll take more leaves. I just don't go in there and attack a plant, take all the leaves so it can't recover. You know, I totally agree. You need, right. you know, the right. plant knows how I to think grow the a, best. Right. And you're, you're doing exactly what I do, man. I go in and get rid of shit that I don't like. I'm going in and get rid of shit that's in my way when I'm trying to water. You know, you'll be water and you'll come across a leaf and that dumps all the water right outside the pot. I ain't down with that shit. I get upset. So I go through and cut all that shit lower, but I always wait until they can handle that. I don't do it when there's uh, five leaves and start taking yeah. the lower. I wait until I'm really sure that they're catching a lot of photons and go through. I just think, I guess my takeaway should be is don't hate smart poker. If you're a schwazer, if you're a big time defoliation, I think you should be careful recommending that. I think you should understand more why you're doing it or why maybe you shouldn't do it before you go ahead and back that, that view up, you know? And like I said, for commercial grow, I know there's different stances and I understand that, but for your regular home grower who my focus is on the new grower, uh, be careful, man, let the plant grow a couple times natural, Watch how it develops. Then you'll be able to see when you start cutting, taking leaves, you'll be able to see yourself what kind of effect you're having on the plant and how it develops after you do stuff like that. So just a little something I'd like to throw out there. If right. Take it. Yeah. Leave it. And, you know, um, 
a lot of what I hear is people strip their leaves um, basically so that they avoid pathogens or if your leaf's just sitting in soil or even cocoa. You don't just oh, want yeah. a leaf getting moist and sitting in there. It's going to, you know, something's going to rot, something's going to die. Oh, yeah. it, it could totally affect your grow. Um, yeah. So that could be a vector for pests for sure. Right. It's also for IPM. That's why people mm -hmm. uh, cut up the bottoms or, you know, whatever, sure, whatever they want to do. There's usually a reason for it. <laughs> So we usually do like 25 or 30% max of the bottom and I'll wait until like my plants are well pronounced, very nice. It's in the flower and everything, or just getting ready to start flowering and everything. I'll try to clean up that bottom, you know, right. and, uh, it doesn't really hurt them or anything at that point. I feel because there, there's no light really getting down there. You're not really taking too much. And a lot of it's growth tips down there low, uh, depending on how you train your plant, you know, um, them growth tips it's nice to take them off as soon as you can that way you're redirecting that energy up top and uh yeah so uh if someone checks out my videos they'll see as i as i was doing the main lines there were times where i would tell them now's not the time to go ahead and take leaves off because you only have like 10 here you know you really need all of these even the ones that are low you kind of have to water around them i guess for now but um as it develops you know it's pretty common sense and i just think it's it's good stuff to mention there I appreciate you letting me ramble on a little bit. Well, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, there's a million ways to grow this plant. And I just recommend if you if you can buy a couple seeds or, you know, even on Instagram, there's some decent um, breeders that I like. And, you know, I'll, I'll shout out Firebuds as one or Create Genetics. Sure. And I like, you know, picking up their seeds because, you know, you're getting strong plants. And if you can just get, you know, a couple seeds, get them in the ground and, just try and keep them alive. You know, you're going to get some. For sure. So. For sure, man. Do the, we do the best we can with what we got, you know, and I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I think that's a great point you made. So you were talking about your videos. Do you want to shout out? I know you have a YouTube channel now, right? Yeah, I do have a YouTube channel. I got about 140 subscribers, I believe. We're doing uh, light testing. Um, we're doing like pot up videos. We have videos for, um, for mainlining, we have videos for manifolding, uh, different things like that. They're pretty short, you know, and uh, my YouTube is Smart Poker. My Instagram, you can find it all, all this info over there. That's um, Real Smart Poker, R-E-A-L, um, Smart Poker at Instagram. And we put stuff on Instagram TV. I'm not sure if that's easy for people to find. I can never find it. So, um, yeah, I'm putting stuff on there. I'm just not sure where it's at, man. Well, if they go to your page, they should be able to see it. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, if everyone can go check out uh, Smart Poker's YouTube and give him a give him a subscribe and watch some of his videos, uh, I totally recommend it. I love your content; it always seems um, real accurate from what I know. So, I'll definitely. I check appreciate that, out. that. I appreciate that. I try to never ever speak on anything that I'm not sure of because one thing. You know, if, if I told someone to do something to their plants or recommended something that wasn't good, yeah, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I'd feel horrible, you know. That's never, ever going to be the intention to sell anything or whatever. If I could save someone a few bucks, I'm down for that. But it's more just about spreading the love, the knowledge, trying to get, like you said, get some seeds in the ground. Do the best you can. Um, spend your money wisely. Don't buy blur pools or bullshit little tiny dehumidifiers right. that won't handle, you know, if you're going to buy something, buy it once. And it's good to come to someone like Max or any my page or a plethora of other guys. And they will tell you that they, you know, what, what you can get and the best way to go about it versus just 
buying stuff. I bought so much shit I wish I wouldn't have and spent so much money and I wish someone would have saved me from spending. Uh, I'm sure you're the same way. So oh, yeah. that's kind of my goal there a little bit. Yeah. So I, you know, I totally agree. And um, that's kind of why I shout out Coco for cannabis. And I, I try to get growers that, um, you know, you, you know what you're, I can see, you know what you're doing. So if people reach out to you, I know you also answer. So um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. And I, I hope we can have uh, another chat soon. Oh yeah, I definitely would love to do that. It's been fun. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to do it. I, I, I like doing this. This is like my fourth or fifth one. If anybody else has something they want to invite me on, I'd be happy to do it. Um, uh, appreciate everybody listening and, uh, yeah, shout out to you, Max. Keep bringing the good info. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right, guys. See you next time. Hey guys, I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. I want to say thank you to Smart Poker for joining us this week and talking about his growing experience. And I'd also like to say thank you to uh, the Talking Buds podcast sponsor, Photon Tech Lighting. If everyone could go check out Photon Tech, I recommend their lights. I love their lights. I run their lights. And uh, I got a little discount code for you guys. Uh, Smart Poker also has a discount code. I'm going to leave those both in the show notes. You guys can, you know, pick up those uh, lights for a decent price. And especially with the discount code, you're saving, you know, 50 to 100 bucks depending on the light. So I really recommend everyone check out those lights. We did talk about them in the episode. And uh, thanks for listening. See you guys next week.